A different future starts with you. That's why GoDaddy does more than help you find a name. You can create, sell, and get found online. So any small business could be a driving force to create change or build an empire. We know old ideas aren't cutting it anymore. So we're calling for a new generation of thinking. Your way of thinking. So whatever you have in mind that will help make a different future, find everything you need to get started at GoDaddy.com. Because the future isn't decided yet. It's up to us to make it happen. Start different at GoDaddy.com. If you've recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today. This is an ode to the glass noodle. You may be glass only in name, but our love for you is crystal clear in every Bibigo Korean dumpling. Your tantalizing texture tickles the taste buds, and while you are see-through, the world can't help but see you. The glass noodle, one of many obsessively crafted ingredients in every plump and juicy Korean dumpling from Bibigo. Go handcrafted. Go Bibigo. Authentic Korean dumplings now in the freezer aisle. This is Podco Media Networks. On episode 76 of Confessions of a Marketer, we're investigating what the Google Algo update means to marketers. Hi, it's Mark Reed Edwards. Welcome back to Confessions of a Marketer. Taylor Ryan is in to talk about some of the changes in the Google algorithm. We'll get to that in a moment. Next time, Victor Machado of Post and Wall will be here to continue the theme we started in this episode as we go a bit deeper on SEO versus SEM. And later on, we'll have a couple of episodes with Rob Whedon of Deal Signal and Jeremy Middleton of Primata to discuss data intent and marketing. Prism HR CMO Scott Horn will be here to tell us what it's like to market a high-growth company. Later on in July, Angel Hollis Vaccaro of Deloitte will be here to discuss the Deloitte report, Beyond Marketing, Experience Reimagined. Plus, we've got A.J. Wilcox here to opine on the social media minefield. And Joe Martin of CloudApp will be here to chat about video and visuals in marketing. Lots more in store. I want to invite you to have a listen to my other venture, the innovation podcast, the iPod with Garnett Harriman. Lots of fun stuff happening there. Head over to the innovationpodcast.co to tune in. If you've recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today. Okay. Taylor Ryan. We chatted with Taylor back in episode 47 about hacking your marketing. One ingredient in hacking is how you use Google. And Taylor, who's CMO at Valuer in Copenhagen, is an expert on that. So with the latest batch of Google algo changes, I asked him to join me to make sense of it. I think we made some headway, and there are a bunch of links in the episode notes, so check that out. So without further ado, let's get to it. Taylor, great to have you back here on Confessions of a Marketer. Hey, Mark. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so there was a major Google algorithm update, uh, I think, in one of the last few days. Can you tell me what changed and how it affects marketers? Yeah, it, it's been this wild thing. It it actually was two updates at the same time. So one of the updates is this broad algorithm update, and that hit on June 3rd. Yeah. And around June 4th through the 6th, they started their kind of first push towards the diversity updates, 
which, you know, you can't really differentiate the two when they roll out at the same time. Mm -hmm. And there has been a huge uproar in terms of different folks that are really into SEO and trying to figure out what the heck is happening because it's thrown a lot of people off uh, very quickly. And, and, you know, it's all very hush-hush when you ask the powers that be Google to define kind of what's happening here. It's been crazy. How do you actually get in touch with someone at Google to ask them a question about SEO? They have a <laughs> they have a Twitter account uh, where they announce. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Yeah. So future updates or any type of speculation will often come through that. At times, they had this guy, Matt Cutts, yep. giving his thoughts on kind of these new rollouts. And he was pretty pivotal when he was explaining, you know, what is Hummingbird? What is Penguin? Right. Uh, you know, and some of these other, like the Fred update, all of these things that required a bit of explanation. And I think now you have the powers that be that are, are basically saying, you know, we're, we're going to keep more to our chest because there's a, a saying that's out there that Gary Vaynerchuk uses quite often, which is marketers ruin everything. <laughs> so he would know definitely, I think. <laughs> that's right. So, you know, the idea is Google doesn't want to give people somewhat of the, you know, secret ingredients to the secret sauce, because then it has to start looking at updating all over again. And, and it's incredibly frustrating to keep up with these things. Yeah, so why do you think they change the algorithm in such substantive ways? Is it, is it, yeah, my, my sense is that they, they want to keep people from gaming the system. Is, is that part of it? That's exactly right. And there's, there's definitely something to be said for that. Uh, you know, if you look back on like the early 2000s where people were able to rank for individual keywords just by keyword density. So if you copied and pasted the word coffee a thousand times in the footer of a particular landing page, you would rank for the word coffee. Right. And obviously that wasn't incentive based in terms of the way that if you're producing good content or you're giving people something in the way of value, then you should be ranking. But I mean, there will always be people that are trying to game the system and I'm no different. I, I try to figure out what I have to do to placate to Google's kind of demands in order to get more traffic. Yeah. So uh, I've talked about SEO on this podcast a, a, a number of times, never, never really like deep about SEO, but kind of just around the edges of it. And it seems to me that SEO is maybe it's not becoming less relevant, but at least almost impossible to keep up with. And I, I said in a recent podcast that it was dead. What do you think? I think there's a mixture of art and science. And, yeah. you know, of course, there's a difference between on-site and off-site. And the idea is following a relatively rigid set of instructions in terms of this is the way that, let's just say it's for pages, your URL structure needs to make sense in terms of having a good site schema, identifying the H1 title tags, and then the subtitle tags after that, so H2, H3, H4, but it's gotten a lot more complex over the years. Yeah. And, and you know this EAT update, E-A-T, the and, and E-A-T is this thing that Google just kind of threw out there, which is expertise authoritativeness, <laughs> which, uh, okay, great, that's a word now, and trust. The concept is you need to come off as a website that is trustworthy enough that you would either send your mother to or you'd be willing to put in your credit card details. Right. And that means that the content needs to make sense and needs to adhere to the topic. It also means that the writers that are writing for you can't just be 
random marketers. It, it's looking for people that are known within this niche and have written other things. And uh, you know, this whole idea of trying to combat fake news is part of what they're doing here. And it means that they're also extrapolating if certain websites are ranked inside of Wikipedia. Wikipedia is considered to be one of the more high authority and more trustworthy sites because it is user generated and users police themselves. I think you could probably extrapolate your own uh, intuitive kind of uh, thoughts in terms of like, well, that could go wrong. <laughs> yeah, well, um, what could but, possibly happen wrong with that? Yeah, right. Uh, you know, but it, it's it's crazy. And so, like, there's been some really interesting things that have come out. So, like, major winners of of like these new sets of updates is like, you know, Huffington Post all of a sudden is now considered to, you know, be uh, another affirmation of like them doing well. You have some of the larger publishers like Harvard Business Review, Business Insider, and some of these well-known publishers that are continuing to rank. And I think that's all well and good, but I don't know if these are necessarily the people that epitomize journalistic integrity. You also have losers like the Daily Mail, which has come out in in numerous places as uh, reporting something in the way of news that is hearsay or hashtag fake news. Uh, They've seen drastic cuts. There's been a website that shut down as a result of this, uh, a website (laughs) called ccn.com. Yeah, Yeah, it, it was a cryptocurrency company that basically speculated on the value and worth of different cryptocurrencies and what was trending. And basically, they've had their traffic completely turned off. Another site, Mercola, M-E-R-C-O-L-A. I'd never heard of them, but they were generating upwards of one and a half to two million unique visitors per month. Wow. And they claim, yeah, I mean, like a pretty well-known, I'm sure in some circles, website, they've lost up to 99% of their traffic which, you know, if your livelihood's attached to that, that's a big deal. And one of the ways that Google has continued to kind of come out and recognize what they're doing is saying, we're trying to focus on industries that will potentially, they will affect people in a financial way, in a negative way, based on what they're putting out. So this yeah. is banking, military, agriculture, pharma, medical, and sometimes media and big tech. You know, it's... Are you misleading people? Are you giving people an objective perspective? I don't know how you go about exactly measuring all that, but they seem to claim that that is what has been tweaked in this recent rollout. And I've certainly seen it on my site. I've seen a drop initially at the beginning of June that was around 10%. And I'm I'm looking at it now and it's closer to 16, 17 uh, in terms of a drop in organic traffic. And it's incredibly frustrating. Yeah. What's interesting, I think, with something like this is, you know, if you look at the history of business, when a company makes a major change, say, for example, Coke changes the ingredient in Coke, the (laughs) the main competitor, Pepsi, can do something in response to that. But here, Google doesn't have a competitor. It's not as though people are saying, well, let's go and concentrate on Bing. They have a monopoly over this. Right. And, and it, yeah. And, and sure, go ahead. Yeah, I know where you're going. I'm with you. And so, what's a marketer to do? Well, if you go to uh, Maricola, the owner of the website asks people to stop using Google. <laughs> 
Okay. So, I'll so just pack, pack up my laptop and just call it a day, <laughs> right? Yeah, that doesn't really seem like a worthwhile venture to be like, no more searching for stuff on the internet. You know, like yeah. that that's not realistic. <laughs> and, you know, there is no way to really combat this. Of course, if you get something in the way of a manual penalty, which is where one of Google's quality raters, as they call them, goes out, finds your website, and determines that you're misleading or you're selling a nefarious product or you're doing some sketchy things, they can give you a manual penalty, which basically starts the the reset button and, and makes it incredibly difficult for you to continue to rank for stuff for months. And there are ways to reach back out and say, look, this was a, a spam attack that happened to our website or somebody hit us with negative SEO. Uh, <laughs> can you please not go so hard on us? You know, And I, I've, I've not heard anybody that's really come away from that unscathed. I mean, either way, it's a very long process to build up that authoritative rating again. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, there... <laughs> There's a lot of people that are scratching their heads and saying, what am I supposed to do now? So tell me about those quality raters. How many have they hired and, and what exactly do they do? It's tough to speculate. You know, there's this EAT update that came out uh, prior to May 16th, where they were kind of elaborating that these people are basically employed to go out and directly evaluate based on their whatever their comprehension of expertise, authoritativeness, and trust is, and then start to lower or raise the overall ranking of these things in a manual sense from a human standpoint. And that can be quite scary. It comes from a number of acquisitions in Google's, uh, I guess, quality rater guidelines. And it's real interesting the more you dig into this. There's a number of great articles out there. If you search just for Google quality raters, you can start to find some of the stuff that's out there. But they've done a number of really interesting acquisitions to try to get a better feel for this you know, deluge of, of new sites, new blog posts, new articles that are consistently coming out on a regular basis. How do we apply statistics to this to be able to say with some element of certainty that this was speculation versus this is somebody that's making very broad claims and this is somebody that's just reporting something. You know, When you imagine yourself having to basically play internet police, it gets very slippery very quickly in terms of, of how one actually takes an ethical uh, approach to it and, and what they deem to be relevant and worth being served up on you know a daily basis versus something that nobody should be able to find organically. And that could be very challenging. Yeah, and we'll have links to all these documents you're referring to and things you're referring to in our show notes. So, Great. so listeners can kind of dig into it themselves. So what industries do you think are most affected? You've given me some winners and losers, but what industries do you think are most affected? Yeah, the stuff that I, I've been seeing that's been effective in an inadvertently good way are people that put out sites that are basically selling hacked versions of software solutions. Mm. So this diversity update that came out was basically saying to the world, if you rank for, let's say I used the, the phrase coffee before, if you rank for the keyword coffee and you come up in spots two, three, and 10, they don't think that you're allowed to have that much influence over a single keyword. So they've stricken you hopefully from the last two and you still rank for number two. But you know, there's there's not as much science to all this as I wish there was. And so the idea is they're removing significant uh, pages that 
you know, I would say a number of domains just kind of own, you know, those specific uh, keywords. Their explanation is, I would say it has holes in it. The idea is they'd like to give more companies or more domains or more people a chance to rank for these really difficult keywords. But in doing so, I think you also have reduced the reach of some of the ones that were ranking for a reason because they're high authority and probably know the most about this area or that area. And and that's what's frustrating for us is, you know, we're in a pretty narrow niche. So if you're ranking across long tail for two or three pages, then it means you really have to change up your content game to make sure that you're not cannibalizing your own keywords and basically only giving the newest article that came out, which you know might not be that great to capture that specific keyword. And then you end up losing all the traffic you got from a page that was doing really well. So yeah. I hope you follow me, but yeah, it's super frustrating. Yeah. And you're, you're not unique, right? I mean, most companies have a, a niche that they go after. Most companies are looking for a niche and the way in which they rank on search results is critical to their business. Absolutely. And going back to your question, you know, the, the types of industries that have been affected, Google in so many words via a few interviews with a few characters kind of towards the top are basically explaining that the types of pages that could potentially be impacted, they impact the future of happiness, health, financial stability, or the safety of users, (laughs) whatever that means. But that kind of relates to why you see some of these health sites that are, are you know, traffic is completely diminished, like this uh, Maricola place. The idea is that they had a number of articles that were talking about holistic alternatives to cancer treatments or holistic alternatives to yeah. insulin treatments. And it's like, well, okay, how much truth is in this and how much is it BS? Sure. And by the way, you have affiliate links on your site because that's how you make your money. So is this really journalistic integrity or is this you just trying to get enough people to come to your site so you can convert somebody on you know pills that – have nothing but shredded newspapers in it that are supposed to cure cancer. (laughs) You know, so in theory, there's some good there. But I think in practice, you hurt some people that are actually trying to do the right thing. And that's one of the more frustrating parts of seeing this. Yeah. So what do you, what's the fallout from this? Uh, and, and you know, what possibly could Google do next? I think there's definitely, um, you know, from the tech perspective, I, I think that's being felt in a number of startup communities where it's already really hard to start from zero and actually rank. And uh, I think you'll have people that are trying to double down on anything that makes sense for them yeah. and also try to, at least the pendulum kind of swings back the other way. So at the very least, start going in and doing what they call Google stacking. So the idea is creating links using Google sites that work as kind of these publisher blog networks or as they call them PBN so that you have lots of little subsites that are yeah. based and hosted via Google that are pointing to your main site. That's one avenue that Google's like, hey, all right, well, this is part of our brand. Let's do this. It's the same thing with creating you know, links on YouTube. Sure. YouTube, shocker, it's owned by Google. So anytime that you're linking to a website off of YouTube, there's value there. And also, if you're embedding yeah. YouTube videos on your post, Google says, look, they're covering this topic in a different way and using an additional source or medium to be able to do that. And by the way, more time on Google's platform, YouTube, is more ad revenue for them. So hey, check the box there. 
And then, uh, you know, the last one that's relatively new, and I, I think some of the gray hat folks that are in SEO are starting to play with is my business listing. Yeah. So the idea is that Google has always given people a chance to add some more information on their business listings. But one of the more provocative things that I've seen in, in recent times is that they give you the chance to basically handle it like it's a social media platform. So you can create posts, you can add photos, you can announce features. And I suggest anybody that has a registered business with an address, and hopefully that's most of the people listening, get into, if you just Google the phrase, Google my business, you can find uh, your menu there and start going into the post section and see what happens when you add a new image or add an offer or a product. And, uh, you know, I've been playing around with this just over the last couple of weeks. It's very disconcerting because, you know, we added a couple of pictures of some stuff that was happening here at Valuer and, you know, some, some people in the office. And within a day, you see 100 new views of photos that were somewhat buried. And it's like, who's looking at this? Who's this for? Right. So I'm not 100% certain where this stuff is going, but it might be fed into Google News. It might be fed into local searches. The idea is that when folks are searching on their mobiles, it tends to give greater, uh, I guess, impressions or, or greater openness to the folks that are local to you. So your listings on mobile will be very different from desktop, even though you might even be on the Wi-Fi. Right. You know, and the last thing is you have a different experience overall if you do a search on your mobile because you used to get six slots where you would see six results and two ads. Now it's five. And who knows, in a month, maybe it's only three organic results that show up and two ads. Yeah. It, it, it's incredibly frustrating. And the idea is that these guys are in business to make money and I'm trying to find the right way to work with them. But, you know, it, it, it's going to be a challenge no matter who you are to, to continue to try to navigate basically these minefields and, and figure out what works best for you. Because the content game was always something that worked. And I'm looking around right now going, damn, I just lost 15% of my organic traffic. What am I going to do now? Whatever happened to don't be evil? <laughs> and that was the, that was that was their motto. I guess they changed it a while ago to to do the right thing. Yeah, but, but it just seems was it was it do no evil? Maybe they just omitted the no. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this is this is fascinating to discuss, and I could go on and on. And maybe you know, let's track this over the summer, and maybe we can chat again in the fall and see you know what traffic levels look like. And whether they came to their senses over this. Yeah, I, I'd love to to test out a few things and get back to you. I, I think there's some really interesting opportunities in terms of some of these posts on uh, the Google My Business page. And I mean, I honestly didn't take it seriously until this new update. And I'm like, okay, yeah. so if I were them, what would I want my users to do? So yeah, I'd, I'd love to give you feedback towards the end of the summer to be like, this worked, this didn't work. And here's what I found out. I think that could be fun. Well, until then, enjoy your summer. And thanks for joining me. It's always fun to talk to you. And I always feel enlightened after I have talked with you. So thanks so much. Well, thank you for having me, Mark. I appreciate that. Yeah.
All right, next time, Victor Machado is in to continue on the Google theme as we chat about SEO versus SEM and a lot more, so stay with us. This episode of Confessions of a Marketer was written, produced, and edited by yours truly. T. Jordan of A-Class Productions wrote the theme music. Confessions of a Marketer is a trademark of Podco Media Networks, and this episode is copyright 2019. I'm Mark Reed Edwards. See you next time. You've never tried to eyeball six feet as often as you do now. You wear a mask, you wash your hands, and you've stayed within the walls of your apartment for more hours than you care to add up. But unless you live in a smoke-free building, you're not exactly home free. Secondhand smoke drifting through the cracks in walls or sink drains carries toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. And right now, lung health is key. Go to tobaccofreeca.com to learn how to stay safe.